0: Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Hey, Love City Church. My name is Brett. It's such an honor to be here with you. I I know that we are uh, from opposing cities in opposing places. I'm from Edmonton, but uh, we love you. We just don't love the flames. And so that's... That's just kind of where we're at relationally. We love you deeply. Don't believe in what you're doing on the ice or in any other athletic endeavor, but we, we love you. Uh, uh, my wife and I, Desiree, we're here, we lead a church. Uh, uh, two churches coming together, actually, it's a whole long, crazy story. We planted Engage Church nine years ago. Just over a year ago, we took over another church called West Evans Christian Assembly as leaders, and we're rebranding and relaunching in April, Easter Sunday, as Saints Church in Edmondson, and we're taking a step forward. But we've been on this journey now for a number of years with Love City Church, We love you. We love Pastors Ryan and Stephanie and the whole team, and I believe the Lord gave me a word for you in this season specifically. So what I'm going to do, we're going to jump right into the Bible, because we believe that the Bible is full of timeless truths for everyday life. That every single day uh, we, we can go into this fountain and we'll, it will never run dry. And so we build our, our lives on this. We, 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 we put our heart and soul into reaching out and connecting to the creator of the universe. The most amazing thing about being a follower of Jesus is that you can hold the hand of the one who holds the world. And so let's jump right into Luke chapter one, Luke chapter one. I got a message today called testify. So just turn to your neighbor, wherever you are at home on the couch. If you're watching on a device and you're on a bus, just turn to somebody and say, testify. Come on. That's right. Test. Yeah. Okay. That wasn't good enough. I'm just going to say this. I, I don't know where you're at at home, but the truth is that wasn't enough. So I'm going to need you one more time to turn to somebody and say, Testify. Come on. There, do your best, T.D. Jakes. If you don't know who that is, it's worth you Googling and finding out exactly who the bishop is. This is Luke chapter 1. I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. I'm going to alternate a little bit between the Christian Standard and the New Living. You'll see which one is which at the very top of the screens. Okay, let's look at this. This is Luke chapter 1. Uh, very beginning, like Luke 1.1. 1, 1 many have undertaken to compile a complete narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us. So that's very important language right there. Original eyewitnesses that handed it down to us. So it also seemed good to me since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first to write to you in an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus. I, like, I yearn to receive an email Like to the most honorable Bredophilus. Okay, so that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. So we're right here this is Luke's gospel. Dr. Luke, he is a medical doctor. So he thinks and he processes things in a very specific way when he's bringing all of the the stories of Jesus to life. He says, "Listen, we've gone to the original eyewitnesses. We saw it ourselves. We verified it. We went from person to person to person so that you know that when you read this, that when you take this in that, that we did a diagnosis. like we we drilled down. In fact, he goes this far that word original eyewitnesses uh, is actually uh, the word autoptes in Greek, which is where we get the word autopsy. So he says, listen, I have done an autopsy on these claims so that you know that you can build your life on this, that you can stand on this. I'm writing to you. We've talked to the eyewitnesses. We've made an autopsy. And I'm writing to you about what we have found. Uh, I'm actually preaching today with my grandpa's Bible. He passed away in June. Uh, he uh, was an amazing man. My grandma and grandpa had a healing ministry, traveled around the world doing crusades. Now, I think when you hear that, you know, you've know you got all kinds of thoughts about what that looks like, but he was actually an accountant by day, evangelist by night. Uh, he, worked, he worked just like everybody else. They self-financed their crusades. And they would travel to the Caribbean and to Mexico, to different places to, to reach people and, and see incredible miracles. Now, my childhood, uh, and actually, here's what's crazy, uh, and I, I leave them in here. I've got a bunch of his sermon notes. So I could just quick one. Of, I could preach one of these, like, right away if someone needs to get healed. Um, and my, my childhood, my, my life um, was made up of stories of the goodness and the power of Jesus. My life was made up of my grandpa telling me, listen, this is what happened last weekend when we had a meeting. This is what happened when, when the people of God pray. Uh, every, I would go for sleepovers, and uh, we would do all the things that normal kids do at grandparents sleepovers. We would uh, you know, play board games, and we would sleep in our very special sleeping bags. My sister and I each had one in a very specific color, and we would sleep in those, And uh, it was awesome, and my grandma made, in the morning, her version of Egg McMuffins, which are way better than McDonald's could ever create. Sorry, it's just true. And then we would do devotions together, and as we would do devotions, there's only one little minor uh, kink. Every once in a while, we'd have to watch the crusade videos, (laughs) like home videos, uh, on on the the Saturday night. But in the morning, we would do devotions, and we would use this Bible— uh, and as we would read the scriptures, my grandpa at some point would look, at up, look up at us, and he would start talking to us, and he would say, uh, I just need to tell you something. And then he would go in, and he would start telling us a story. He would start telling us the stories of a man in his, at one of their meetings who his, his biceps separated from his arm and rolled back up into his shoulder. And he would tell the story about how they laid hands on him, and the muscle rolled out and reattached. And in that night, he was able to go back to work the next day because he had no way to prepare. He, they told me the stories. They would, he, my grandpa would start, this is how we would do devotions. He'd say, I just need to tell you something that we went to the hospital and there was a baby at the hospital with a hole in their skull and, and, and we weren't allowed in, but we could stand at a viewing area and we just prayed and we declared the power of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. over the ba- And the hole started to close as we started to pray and the baby's skull was completely reformed. See, this was what my, my Saturday morning would look like and my grandpa would start weeping and crying and his stories of faith began to to frame and began to shape my stories of faith, my journey, I all of a sudden understood what was possible because he told me what God was doing in and through his life and it began to create a foundation for me to build my life. on. I'll go as far as to say this, it instilled in me a God confidence, a God confidence. You know, I think in this day and age of where, you know, we're wrestling with what we've been told not to do, I got a word today about what God is very explicit about what he's asking us to do. And it doesn't matter what the regulations are. It doesn't matter what, what the situation is. God has got something for you. And it's actually the personal responsibility of you to carry forward the message of Jesus. In a very personal, it's a personal responsibility. We don't like the word responsibility. We think that oftentimes we think that our relationship with Jesus is framed in him showering blessings upon us. Which is true. Not the blessings you often anticipate, but it's true. but there is a personal responsibility that each has. But don't take my word for it. Let's jump right into the scripture, Luke chapter one. This is gonna be verse 36 through 37. Just to frame the context, you might mistake this as a Christmas story. This isn't a Christmas story. This is a God story. This is the moment when the angel Gabriel shows up to Mary, okay? Shows up to Mary and starts talking to Mary about what's about to happen. That You know, the virgin birth, she's gonna give birth to the savior of the world but I don't know if you ever noticed this. I I didn't until a number of weeks ago. It says this. Consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. Now just let's frame it. Angel appears. (laughs) angel i don't know how that works on the internet but it worked here uh, angel appears and we all think man when in, i don't know maybe you've had this crazy thought i'd love to see an angel no you i don't want to see an angel because there's a reason why every single time an angel appears they say do not be afraid because every single person is afraid because something is hovering in a corner it's glowing and speaking to you with a voice of authority I'm gonna be a little nervous, okay? That's just what's gonna happen. You're gonna be a little bit nervous. The angel appears, supernatural moment. Mary's overwhelmed with all this information about Savior of the world, virgin birth, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and she's just trying to do the math. And then this is how he finishes. Think about Elizabeth. She's bright. She shouldn't be. It's a miracle. Nothing's impossible with God. So essentially what he's saying is, I'm confirming to you what God is saying to be true by pointing you to the story of Elizabeth, who is your cousin, and you can see this in the tangible, and maybe, just maybe, you could process the fact that if he did it for her, he could do it for you. We think that an angel is enough, but he says, listen, you need to understand the power of a story of God at work in somebody's life to change every situation and every Circumstance. Have you ever been to like a, a car accident scene or maybe like, has anyone had a medical emergency in Walmart? What happens is everyone like crowds around and so many people just like crush around and everyone wants to see what's going on and most people want to help. No, it's not true. Most people just want to watch and few people want to help. And, and, and what happens when the medical professionals arrive is they get there and they say, listen, give me some room, give me some room to work. <laughs> I believe that your story gives Jesus some room to work in the lives of your family and friends. That your story, the story of God at work in your life has power to give room for Jesus to work in the life of your family and friends. How do we know this? Let's just jump over to the book of Revelation. Yes, I'm going to the book of Revelation, Revelation 12. It's exciting. Revelations 12, uh, verse 11, it says, they conquered him who is the accuser by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. That there is this supernatural power to conquer, to move forward, By the blood of the lamb, which is the power of Jesus in the word of your testimony. Oftentimes, now just stick with me in this process. We only care about the blood of the lamb, which is necessary for any of it to happen, but we discount the power of our testimony. We say, it's not enough. It's not good enough. I'm insignificant. My story's not fancy enough. My, my past is not rough enough for Jesus to do something through me. What that is actually is is the voice of the accuser. So we silence the voice of the accuser by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. We just keep going. So Romans ten seventeen says, so faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. Faith comes from hearing. I know that this is basic science, but nobody can hear if you're not willing to speak. Okay, anyone start a Bible reading plan in the new year? Anybody? Anyone? Not enough hands in this room, to be honest. I'm concerned. Um, I'm just going to speak to this at an elder level. This is not okay. Um, (laughs) Okay. But, you know, we got daily Bible reading plans, all those things. And, and if you're anything like me, you might, like, get, be really excited about Genesis. Exodus is usually a good time. <laughs> Past that, you get it gets bumpy. And then all of a sudden, genealogies happen, right? And you get the genealogies, and there's a list of names, and the who begets who's, and the he begets he's and she's. And it's like, uh, I, why? <laughs> why is this here? It's there because they understand that the Jewish believers, particularly in God, created this system and he he created this. He said, listen, there is power in knowing where you came from, knowing the stories of who came before you so that you can build your life on that firm foundation. So you're God confident. You can step into this God confidence because of what I've done in their life. So let's just think about this in this context. Luke 3 verse 23. As he began his ministry, Jesus was about 30 years old and was... uh, Thought to be, thought to be, very important phrasing, thought to be the son of Joseph, son of Eli. Now, I know it's an H, but it's actually pronounced Eli. And so there's two genealogies of Jesus. We've got the one in Matthew, and we've got the one in Luke. The one in Matthew is the genealogy of Joseph. Many theologians believe that this this genealogy in Luke chapter 3 is actually the genealogy of Mary, In some of the ways that we know that some of the clues that we're looking for is the phrase thought to be the son of Joseph, which is basically acknowledging that uh, Mary didn't have societal standing to have her name slot into the Bible at that point. Uh, But thought to be the son was this like this tip of the cap to say, listen, we know who Jesus real like real daddy is, you know, his heavenly father. And this is Mary's story, Mary's genealogy. So, think about that then now. An angel appears. He points her to the story of her cousin, who she visits. Also, a convenient way to take care of a teenage unwed pregnancy. Move out of town. Sometimes the Bible's too real, right? You thought it was just this book of stories, it's just too real. So she goes but she's got something else. She's got these genealogies. This is Deuteronomy chapter four. It says, but watch out, before verse nine, be careful never to forget what yourself you yourself have seen. Do not let these moments escape from your memory as long as you live and be sure to pass them on to your children and your grandchildren. I love uh, other more traditional classical translations say to your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. It just like keeps going on, but there is a tradition of passing on. So while we skip over over the genealogy because it's boring, Mary can look back at it and say, listen, if God did it for them, that he can do it for me. If he did it for that person, he can do it for me. His story, their story is a part of my story, and the goodness of God at work in their lives is evidence that the goodness of God is about to be at work in my life, and the genealogy is not boring. It's exciting because it's line upon line, precept upon precept. God is building from the generations his faithfulness that cascades down the generations, which is why you need to tell the story of God at work in your life. So you could say that your family story gives Jesus some room to work. Your family story gives some room for Jesus to work. Because there's somebody else in your sphere, there's somebody else in your circle that's experiencing something similar to what you've gone through. They, they they know your journey and your pain so intimately and so deeply that your story gives them hope and lets them know that if God did it for you, he can do it for them. I'll go one step further. I believe that your story has the power to give Jesus, some room to do a miracle in the hearts and lives of your family and friends. Because it's your story that gives them the God confidence to believe that Jesus loves them, cares about them, has a plan and a purpose for them. But I can't see them in person. You don't need to see them in person to tell them your story. You've got a phone. You have thumbs. You can text. You've got a social media platform that's full of more complaining than it is the goodness of God. I've seen those comments. Christians are the worst. Okay, I'm gonna, this is true story. True story. On our church, this is, this is just, our, my story is now giving you, your story, courage to face another day. There was a guy who started watching our church online broadcasts. And, you know, we're all trying to be helpful by saying, I can't hear this microphone or move the camera a little bit more or I can't hear so and so. It's not. Listen, as if the team isn't scrambling, working as hard as they can. They already know the problems before you ever saw them. So thank you, Tips, for helping us with that. But somebody came on our our chat who is new to faith and said, how come you're all so mean to each other in the comments? Oh, so just just what if the story of this church and the story of your life is declaring the goodness of God in every season through whatever format or platform is available to you in every season because that means the goodness of God transcends seasons from seasons to seasons, from moments to moments, from restriction to restriction, from guideline to guideline. The goodness of God is not limited by a season capacity. It's limited by your your capacity to communicate. But but it's the work of Jesus. Yeah, Jesus at work through you in your life has the power to give some room because it's relatable when he does it with you. They know what your bad attitude used to look like. They know that you don't have it in the same way. His story can now be your story. If you're far from God, if you don't have a personal relationship with him, if you're not walking with him and you're like, but what about me? His story can now become your story. This is Romans 8. It says, "'For you did not receive a spirit of slavery "'to fall back into fear.'" Instead, you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ... If indeed we suffer with him, so that we, we may also be glorified with him. Listen, there's something within us that when you accept Jesus, you're now adopted into the family, and, and you cry out. There's something inside of you that begins to cry out. That that's my dad. That's my father in heaven. That's my brother Jesus. It's my bro and he's at work in my life right now. We could say this in another way. This is a paraphrase of Romans 8, verse 11. You can highlight it in your Bible later. The same power that conquered the grave now lives in me. So his story becomes your story because it's the power of God at work in your life. It's Jesus Christ himself changing your story. Listen, uh, Desiree and I, we we, 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 ho- we love to host New Believers Bible Studies at our house because I love it. Like at the very beginning, early phases, early stages of somebody's faith. We, I I love it. and My favorite, my favorite story ever is, uh, and the truth is, this is like a really actually a composite of like almost every new believer because this happens at some degree with every single new believer that we've ever walked with, uh, but this one particular went to work. She was known as a little sharp tongue and quick-witted, right? That person like you got her on the wrong day and just look out. So she went to work and she goes to work and then she actually came to our Bible study after work that day. She's like, People were asking me today if I was okay. We're <laughs> like, Why? It took us a little while, but the reason why they were asking uh, if she was okay is because she had a smile on her face all day. It's because when something happened, she didn't lash out immediately, it's because she was encouraging. Uh, In the scriptures, uh, when when people encountered the very presence of God, especially in the Old Testament, Moses particularly, his face started to glow. The Bible uses a word that says his countenance began to change. He actually wore a veil over his face to to cover that from people because it just rattled people too much. Listen, when Jesus comes into your life, he begins to change your countenance. And what that means is you actually start to glow. You've got a good glow on you, and it's the goodness of God, and he begins to change your character, which is as much of a miracle as him doing something in your body physically and he begins to round off those rough edges can I tell you that Jesus wants to become the hero of your story and this is what I mean by that you know uh, if if you've got any friends who are like epic storytellers uh, that when they tell a story of something that happened in your past there's this another miracle that happens is the story gets better and better and better over time, the situation was more dire. the mountain was higher, the wind blew stronger, their jump was four times higher than it was in actuality Brian Iverson and no, come on, he's honest through and through and But the stories get better and better and better. Here's the thing. When Jesus becomes the hero of your story, when you tell the story of God at work in your life, you start giving credit where credit's due. Because as believers, God works, and then we're like, oh yeah, I just really focused on three major areas. Mindfulness, preparedness, and consistency. It's like, no, Jesus Christ just came and overturned the... All the things that were going on, the things that you were wrestling with, you would like to take credit, but this is what we do every time we tell our story. Jesus becomes the hero of our story and we give credit where credit is due, okay? Wow. I'm just gonna leave you with one more thing because we're, we're running out of time, okay? We're, and, and we're not really running out of time. But I would want to limit my telling of the story of God, so you can start telling your story of God at work in your life. Think about this. We—I don't. It's not going to show up on the screen. I'm just going to tell it to you. Uh, in 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 Mark six, we've got the woman with the issue of blood, which is an incredible story you can read for yourself. She literally chases after Jesus. She knows that she needs a miracle. Every specialist, nobody came up with an answer. Nobody had a solution. She just like, she just needed a miracle, a a miraculous medical intervention for her life. Not only did it have uh, physical implications, it has societal implications because the nature of her condition made her unclean, ceremonial unclean to all of her people, which means she did not experience physical touch since the time she was 12, in her life. Because from that time on, it would have been uh, unclean and somebody would have had to go through a whole washing procedure, oftentimes seven days long to even like reach out and fist pump or touch elbows. The cult. So she says, I don't care. So she pushes through a crowd, literally making every single person unclean. Okay. Reaches out grabs the hem of the garment of Jesus because she doesn't think she's even worth anything more than that. His power goes out. He snaps around. and goes, whoa, some power went out from me. Who did that? Your faith is great. Now, we think story over. Nice story. It doesn't end there. Sorry, that's Mark 5. It doesn't end there. You jump to Mark 6. And you'll see that there was real implications to that single act of faith. This is Mark 6, verse 56. Wherever he went in villages, cities, or the countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces, and they begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. Bet you, you didn't see that before. You thought that that woman's story was enough. That woman's story changed the way that people directly related and connected to Jesus in that time, in that era. As if that one story wasn't enough to change the direction of our lives thousands of years later, it changed the way people came and it kept escalating. People tried to get in Peter's shadow. They kept trying to get these hankies, and every single time the power of God went out, they went healed, why? Because the story of God at work in their lives raised the faith level. It raised the God confidence. You think that your story is insignificant. That's you bowing to your own insecurity. Your story is significant because you don't know what somebody else is wrestling with. Even your, this current present circumstance, your struggle, that God has just given you the courage to hold it together right now, and you're embarrassed by it, is actually gonna transform somebody else's life if you would have the courage to give Jesus the credit and then to acknowledge your weakness because in the midst of your weakness, he makes you strong. We'll end it with this, Revelation 22. There's something supernatural that happens and we, they leave it to the very end of the Bible. Like It's like if, if, if you read all the way through and you don't avoid Revelation, you'll find this. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. The spirit and the bride. We're the bride. The bride is the church. The spirit and the bride say, come. We have a personal responsibility to say, come on, see what Jesus has done in my life. Come see what happens when you just follow him one step at a time. Come and follow me as I follow him. That's what Paul said to us. Imitate me as I imitate him. The Spirit and the bride say, "Come!" oh, but the Father will draw all men to themselves. Yes, that's 100% scriptural, but what you forgot is that he put his Holy Spirit in you and he's actually drawing them by the power of his Holy Spirit. So when you speak out the Spirit and the bride say, come and they're drawn in through the presence of God at work in your life and in you, through you and all around you, do not let, do not let your ego get in the way of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in somebody else's life, because I'm embarrassed by what's going on, or my life doesn't seem all that dramatic. That in of itself, my friends, is a testimony, because Jesus has calmed the waters of every area, and you've had moments where it could have got rocky, or it could have got bumpy, or it did, but you're peace, and I'm thinking of Isaiah uh, 26, where there's this peace that comes onto your mind, this perfect peace that comes. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't seem that rocky. Maybe your life story, (laughs) maybe it's been bumpier than you remember because the goodness of God carried you through. And you don't remember it until you say it out loud. And you're like, oh, I guess Jesus did lead me and guide me through. Hey, you might be watching today, you might be participating in this service and you've never made that personal decision to invite Jesus into your life. Can I tell you that this is your moment, this is your time. Jesus wants to become the hero of your story. You might be saying, listen, I'm just so desperate for something to change. The first thing that needs to change is that we give our hearts and our lives every piece to Jesus. So maybe today you're like, I don't know, this is starting to resonate with me. Is this possible for me? Yes, this is possible for you. And it doesn't matter where you come from or what your background is or how bad you think you are. The love of God is higher, wider, deeper and stronger than anything that you could ever come up with. So if that's you today, you say, hey, I want to make that decision to invite Jesus Christ into my life. I'm gonna invite you to pray this prayer. We're all gonna pray this prayer together. So wherever you are watching, wherever you are, we're gonna pray this prayer. You just repeat it after me. Okay, let's pray together. We say, Dear Jesus, I need you now more than ever. So I give you everything, my wins and my losses, my sins and my successes. It's all yours from this moment forward. I'm following you one step at a time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.